Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the same. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. Ask a scientist to, to design a better violin and you get a dirty look. While the instrument seems simple... The science behind it is not. Such is bicycle stability. The machine appears uncomplicated, but the theories governing governing its motion are nightmarish. Some things just can't easily be defined by physics and mathematics. The interaction of the body, mind, muscles, terrain, gravity, air and bicycle are so complex that they defy exact mathematical solutions. The feel and handling of a bike borders on art. Like the violin, it has been largely designed by tough inspiration and experimentation. Let's work it out here at the Yarrabug Radio Show on 3CR. 855 on the AM dial, streaming it, podcasting it, or listening to it on a little valve transistor in the kitchen. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now, keeping our eye out on America. We've got a good show coming up, led by tough inspiration and experimentation. (laughs) Good morning, Faith, and welcome to this edition on the 19th of April. Get out. <laughs> Already. Let's yep. move on in. And we've got a good show coming up because we're going to focus on bicycles and how to make them by hand. So at the end of this show, you'll be up to date on all those sort of techniques. And we welcome along for the ride, not coasting at all. Michael, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. That's a pleasure. You might say that at the end of that, but let's keep it on that. <laughs> Faith, what's the news in the bicycle world? Or, dare I say, 
you've had an outstanding bicycle moment lately? I've had a couple of bicycle moments, a bit spoilt for choice this morning. Um, I guess the most mystifying was on my way here. And this, I find I have very, like where I ride, I, I, motorists are generally very good. It's very rare I have any uh, negative interactions. And I'm not sure what this was. I, I was approaching a T intersection, about to turn left, and a car overtook me, pulled up with its left indicator on. And the street we're turning into was quite narrow, um, parked cars, and people have to sit behind you and wait. Or they sometimes try and squeeze through. So I thought, oh, I'll let them turn left and follow them to save us all going through that little dance. Yep. And they just sat there and sat there and sat there in the really dark-tinted windows so I couldn't see who was inside or what they were doing. So finally I rolled up next to them and had a squeeze through the passenger window and this person sitting in there gesticulating wildly and really aggressively jabbing their finger at me and yelling and I don't know what they wanted me to do. Well, you couldn't hear it. No, no. So I just sort of rolled my eyes and turned left and then they immediately turned left behind me and sat on my tail for the next 50 metres. It was very bizarre. I've never he- heard you tell a story about something on the road, actually. You, you don't vent them at all much, do you? Well, they don't happen, to be no, honest. it sounds a bit creepy. I, I don't know what anyway. it was. I think it was just stupid. <laughs> but, yeah. But I just they obviously aren't, don't realise how dark their windows are. They, they're obviously under the impression that you're not responding to whatever they're doing or saying and <laughs> sitting in their dark <laughs> little <laughs> bubble. <laughs> I think he's somebody who should have the windows open all the time. <laughs> 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 Make it a condition of his licence. <laughs> oh, Michael, you're going to cheer us up? That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am going to cheer you up. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, making my way over here this morning, I saw something that I thought was a great sign of progress, which was a, a group of, I think, about 12 kids, all in school uniform, on their way to school on their bikes, mm-hmm. and with a couple of older kids at the front and the back, clearly as the drivers of the bus, if the you bike like. Bus. So yeah. the local school, and this is secondary school, had yep. clearly set up a, a shared bike to school program yeah and so my heart sang yes that's 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 wonderful and that's over on the other side of town around glen huntley and so forth studio here so that that does my old bike riders heart a lot of good to see it just being normalized in that sort of way it is something i enjoy on the capital city trail um bordering brunswick and north carlton fitzroy Mm -hmm. that after school the number of teenagers you see um and and they have that I've just got out of school energy about them. Like they're they're all busting along the path together. Mm. And groups of teenage girls who in Australia are a group who don't They're underrepresented. Yeah. They? Yeah. So um all uh, heading home or wherever they're going with some gusto. So it's yeah. It's good to it's see. Pro- it's it's progress and yeah. it's about yeah. normalising cycling as just a normal everyday form yeah. of transport and healthy yep. activity and it's not about lycra, it's not about no. gender. It's uh, it's know, nearly just like a vacuum cleaner. Or a tram. It, well, it, and look, it's interesting we talk about this. I'm, I live in an area where I've got a brand new high school that's been built and already has an enormous amount of parking for um, 
bicycles and they're usually always full. And But not far from me, I've got the, um, the girls' school alongside the Yarra. And mm. I think I've been, well, I've been there for a long time. And you would hardly any see any high school girls riding the school at all. I reckon up until this year and a little bit of last year, but not really, I'd rarely see one of those girls riding the school. Already this year, I've probably counted about 10 or so. That seems to be part of a regular thing. Mm-hmm. It's actually reaching in the places that it, it wasn't there before at all, which is really quite fascinating. Yep. Yeah, it's encouraging, isn't it? And sort of cultural change and a bit of critical mass. And the second thing I'm celebrating is that I saw that the amazing Marianne Voss won yes. the Anstall Gold oh, Race over yes. one, uh, one of the few races she hadn't won, won before. <laughs> well, that's right, yeah. And, and it's of particular interest because uh, I've met Marianne a few times, most recently in 19 at the Giro della Donna, yep. yeah. which we organise, and yeah. she was our special guest, and she's just, as well as being an extraordinary bike rider, she's just a delight yep. as a person as well. So uh, I was cheering for her. And, yeah. And... Uh, it's even more connected than that because the first time I saw her race was in 2006 in Salzburg at the Road Cycling World Championships when I think she was 18 or 19 yeah. years old and she won. So uh, that's a hell of a story. So an amazing bike rider, an amazing person and uh, maybe best of all, SBS televising the women's race the women's first race, yeah. and it was a ripper of a race as well. So it was. It was great. Onwards and upwards. It's amazing how much longevity strength of character comes through in a lot of people sportsmen that come through sometimes easily but actually not many people have the longevity of something like somebody like Marianne you know and mm-hmm. I would imagine it as a as an impact on the sport as well uh, it's oh, I think so uh, well, I should have left. I should have gone off first. Because <laughs> I, I, this is. I've got a lovely friend from the park, and he's one of those lovely old gentlemen who's probably approaching his mid eighties, but still riding, and he's still got his wonderfully that beautiful green coloured Peugeot from those years. So I think Peugeot made the biggest bike you could buy off the shelf in Australia for a while, and David's very tall. Anyway, so. He's got another bike that he uses every now and then and he couldn't get the seat post up high enough so he put on his thinking cap and realised that the width of a broom handle is not much difference to that of the seat post. So he got the broom <laughs> handle and he carefully shaped the top of it so he could put the seat post clamp on it, then put the said broom handle in the seat tube tacked in a couple of nails either side, told <laughs> it in the place and then tightened it up. And um, look, a week later I got to see the end of this after the wood had split in half and developed into this enormous splinter sticky Ooh. out of the bicycle. And I said to David, you're very, very lucky. He said, I know. I <laughs> That's lovely Australian can-do fix it mm. sort of thing <laughs> all you need was a bit of binder twine around this and I'd say somebody from the country fixed this up completely <laughs> perfectly <laughs> it, it was wonderful <laughs> and wonderful to see you know he, innovation and technology innovation and technology <laughs> and it's interesting um, David's obviously got bad hips or a little bit stiff in the hips I've never seen anybody get on a bicycle 
by laying down the big frame, stepping through the frame, lifting the frame up and then pulling the leg back over. I couldn't believe it. I said, David, how long? It's a yoga position. I'm not getting on your bicycle. Uh, Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Get on those two wheels, push down on that pedal and get going. People will do anything to get it done. <laughs> Look, it's not too long ago it took me four photo albums to get on a bike on a yeah, trainer, so yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do a little bit of quick news, if we've got any. Um, the South Crescent bike lane was ripped up last week in Darabin. Uh-huh. This was a, a trial that was scheduled to run for quite a long time yet. It started in December. Council had 800 uh, bits of feedback from the public, um, mixed feedback. Bike count showed that the bike lane had increased the number of people riding bikes, but there were concerns about the design of it and also other concerns about the the way the street is used. So... Um, They decided to tear it up and move on after four months of the trial. I think it was scheduled to be a one-year trial. So that's – I know there's been a a lot of loud voices in Darabin and there's been – council at that same meeting have made some um, decisions that people have found disappointing, voting not to trial separated bike lanes on High Street. Um, So – yeah, that's something – I mean, there is good data from it and I think they intend to move forward with something that um, might get a more unified, positive response. And I don't think it does any councils any harm to be flexible and, you know. No. Yeah. Um, from local to international now, is this greenwash or not? Canada is going to spend the enormous amount of $415 million dollars over or till 2050 on bicycle tracks and infrastructure so they can reduce, get down to net zero gas emissions. It's a very small amount over a long period of time on mm. a big country. It is. <laughs> it is. I, when I looked at it, I thought, oh, $415 billion. Yeah, they do that right. <laughs> <laughs> but no. <laughs> over 30 years. Yeah, yeah. As, okay. as, as to get us to net zero by yeah. twenty thirty, you know, it's um, it'll become obviously it's a lovely little tick box for a bit of greenwashing and yeah. uh, such forth. But nice to see it still going on strong in that <laughs> community. Now we're going to have a little break, and we'll be back right after this talking about hand built hand built bicycles. <laughs> 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro's Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. And you're back listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show. Got no, my earrings got in the way of my headphones for a minute. Um, our studio guest today, as Val mentioned, is Michael Hands 
from the Handmade Bicycle Show here in Melbourne, which is coming up in May. Good morning again. Um, And just in case there are some people who don't know what the Handmade Bicycle Show is, maybe you could give us a quick history and rundown. Thank you. I guess the quick history is the show first ran for us in 2018, and that actually came off the back of some of the the elder states people, if you like, (laughs) of the handmade bicycle industry, people like Daryl McCulloch, who builds Llewellyn frames over uh, in Queensland, and Ewan Gelly, who's a local boy, a sort of Bend of Islands way, looking to do something to promote what they're doing and their craft. And uh, Andy White of Fixomatosis had run a show for a few years, six or seven years before 2018, and the world turns and things had changed and had gone by the wayside. So we had a good look at it and thought, yes, we should do that. And obviously we're in the bike game, but also in love with bikes and Way back in the 80s when I fell for it, you always got a handmade bike ultimately <laughs> after you got past a certain point. So another of the elder statesmen, a fellow called Daryl Perkins, built me my first custom-made frame, Wow! who I had a lovely chat with the other day actually. is now 78, but he'll be coming along yeah. this year, which is great. And it's sitting somewhere in one of my kids' garages and <laughs> needs to be resurrected because I want to put it up on a wall. Lovely old Columbus SLX thing. So we ran the first show... At the meat market in North Melbourne, we had about 21 exhibitors and we found not just the builders that we knew of, but a whole lot of people popping out of the woodwork who were coming into it in all sorts of exciting ways and another generation, not just of builders, but of materials as well. So steel is still real and it's a great entry point thing in the way you tool up and the way it rides and so forth, but people doing things with wood, people mixing up the materials Mark Hester from Prover putting carbon seat posts in and and so on and so forth. So we were pretty pleased with the year one and learnt a whole lot, of course, as you do. And it came back in 2019. We had a few more builders and, and a broader reach there as well. But the other thing that happened in 2019 was that we'd thought we should focus on the builders, but the feedback they gave us, and it's very much a collaborative exercise and we are the servant of the builders and the industry in this one, if you like, is that they actually wanted some of the parts and accessories, wheels and group sets and stuff there to actually create the conversation and the connection between them. Because when you're one person in a workshop and hyper-busy building your bike and so forth, not only do you have no time to market your bike, but you don't have a lot of time to do the work around your supply chain and so forth. So the Handmade Bicycle Show became not just the marketing tool for all of these amazing builders all over the place, but becomes a way for the industry to connect and collaborate and so forth a lot better. So, again, we grew and evolved, and then sadly 2020 didn't happen because of COVID, as, as uh, so many things didn't. So we're very happy to return this year as uh, an evolution and a few changes again. Perhaps the most notable change is that we're actually in Williamstown this year at a venue right on the water called Seaworks. There's a few reasons for that. One of the reasons is we actually needed more space, which says interesting things about how the the bespoke side of the industry is evolving with more yeah. builders and more innovation and and the like. So that's pretty exciting. The other reason is that the meat market is very focused on sort of the art creative industry and so forth. And yeah. you know, speaking frankly, we couldn't get guarantee of the venue and the date we wanted it. And there's not much point in organising an event if you don't know where no. you're going to be until very close yeah. to the event. So... 
we found Seaworks and it's beautiful and it's on the water and it's got room to grow and there's... Uh, it looks amazing. I know. Yeah. My first question today was, how did you find it? I've been, I've been down... Well, anyway, you know, you can go past Williamstown under... Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, so my, my colleague, a partner in crime for the event, actually lives in Williamstown. So he had stumbled across it in his yeah. journeys and adventures and it's, it's a great venue. I think people yeah. will really enjoy it and... Uh, if you're on the east side and thinking it's a pain to get across, well, it's not so bad, but get the boat across get as well. Get the punt. Get the punt. So I've done that a few times now and ridden down to uh, a ferry or a punt and then had a lovely little trip across. And then uh, it's 100 metres, 150 yep. metres from yeah. the pier. So, Or even from South Bank you can get the ferry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So... So we continue to evolve. I think we've got about 51 exhibitors this year with yep. uh, a range that people will have seen before and some new ones popping up as well. The parts and accessories side of it, the sort of things that you need to put on that amazing frame uh, are there and, and thanks to the industry for their support as well and uh, a couple of, of the custom clothing brands who are trying to do bespoke clothing for people as well are joining yeah. us as well, which... Yeah, kind of seems bags. like a logical yeah, extension. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and bags. Yeah. So basically everything that you would put on the bike or need to wear to be on the bike. And we have a version of the Constitution of the United States, which we <laughs> wrote about what the show is about and who it's for. But I think the First and the Second Amendments to that Constitution had nothing to do with the right to bear arms, although we're all for a free press, but we're everything about, well, the frame builder needs to talk to the supply chain and the bike rider wants to have the best experience. So yeah. the builders were actually not only supportive but telling us that we want the peripherals around it there as well to uh, enhance what the show is and what we do and so forth. So yeah. that's that's an evolution as well. And I think we like the fact that the evolution happens as a collaboration of all of us sitting down over a meal and a coffee and saying... What if, what does this look like? How do we evolve? How do we get better? Or even being aware of your choices. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. Which it can be, a, you know, unless you're really plugged into reading trade magazines and um, gavuff like that, you really sometimes don't have much aware of longevity or stability of parts or how they match up with your frame and things like that. Absolutely. And on top of that as well, I'd probably add that events always evolve and it's great how they develop organically. And it's really important that there's collective ownership of this sort of thing because this is ultimately of, by and for the bicycle industry and in particular the handmade builders. So we think it's really important that they have a whole lot of ownership intellectually, philosophically, emotionally of the event and that we listen because... The sum of the parts is always greater than each individual part. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's a truism, but it's true. But it's also the perfect analogy for a bike because a frame doesn't work without the wheels and the bars and the saddle and so forth. Yeah. And it's 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 great as you're saying for builders to be able to develop those relationships, um, and for the visitors to you know okay. Sorting the frame is one thing. It's There's mm. a, a big journey after that, and that can be overwhelming. Whereas if someone can instantly point you to something that you can see and have, has that presence there, it, it immediately gives you a sort of framework to start working your ideas around and starts building that knowledge to um, yes. see things 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm doing the Sean Kelly thing there of nodding in after <laughs> on a radio interview. A famous story there. I think you've all shared in the past. But it's well, now it, we're getting down to your role models. But let's skip over that sort of no, but, but you're right. You're right. And and we want people to come away not only entertained and having had a great experience and a, and a no. conversation, but educated as well. So they can yeah. make the best choices for them, whether they want uh, a commuting bike or a racing bike or yeah. a gravel packing adventure bike or yeah. whatever it might be. And um, talking about the experience, because, you know, often there might be one person in the family who's more interested in bikes than the others, but, I, I mean, this is the whole experience. There's food, wine, children's activities, like you, you can bring everyone along, can't you? Yeah, we think it's really important that it's inclusive and obviously you could argue to some extent it's for the, the enthusiast about the bike. But one of the things we like about the venue and the water there yeah. and parks around it and the great range yeah. of food and drink offerings is that it's pretty easy to, to come along and if... Uh, mum or dad or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever is the one who wants to spend four hours there going into the minutiae of the trail on their their forks, um, yes, yes. then that's fine because <laughs> the kids and the other person, if they're bored stupid, can go down and feed the seagulls or yeah, yeah. or whatever they there's choose to the do same as well. Weemstown. Don't worry about that. There's a, little, a lovely little bit of history, local history in Williamstown as well, yeah. of course, being one of the early ports that received all the ships. No, it's yeah. Uh, it well, it could very easily have been the CBD if things had gone a little bit differently. So there is a great history there. And people yeah. in Williamstown would be ch- thanking themselves they got away from that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely little pocket of pay- away yeah, from the madness, is. really, isn't oh. it? And do we know if um, Keith is going to ride his bike down again from Kumo? Well, we would love him to. And if he was really kind, he'd bring some truffles for, for us as well. Uh, that's a really good question, and I don't know the answer, so okay. I'm going to go away and find out for us because that was very cool, wasn't it? It was. And actually, I think there's an important point in that as well, which is that most of the bikes there are bikes being built for people and they're real and they're not yeah. show pieces. And A, if you're a small builder, you can't yeah. build a show bike, but B, yeah. Yeah. it just gives a level of authenticity if you like to it that i think is fantastic as well well having the bike there with you know the bags and the mud and everything it's it it has like you said that realness and it highlights those things these are small builders Mm. um it's not like you you just go shipping bikes you've built for no reason around the country like yeah, you're not building it for a show. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, it was a wonderful story, wasn't it? And uh, the mud all over that bike yeah. uh, was was as part of the story in itself, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, it was great to see. Um, I think it just highlighted all those really positive things. So if people are interested in getting along to the Handmade Bicycle Show, it's on in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So pretty soon, really, in May, early May, I think yep. 7 to 9 for memory. 7 to 9th. Uh, handmadebicycleshow.cc. Uh, we'd encourage people to buy their tickets beforehand because they can sail through the door. In our COVID world, uh, you have uh-huh. to give more yep. details when you buy yep. a ticket at the door, so it'll slow things down a bit. So we'd encourage people to buy their tickets online, which will make an easier process for them when they when they check in. Uh, opens on the Friday night with a pretty civilised uh, gig with a beer at the door if that's your tipple 
and then through Saturday and Sunday, and we're conscious that Sunday is Mother's Day, the solution is blindingly simple. Buy her a bike. Buy her a bike, bring her along. <laughs> get her, she can pick out the she, one she wants. She can pick what? out the right colour. That's That'll right. I'd, I'd like that in a lovely sort of pearl white. And yeah. I'm hankering for a classic lugged steel from Daryl McCulloch. Yes. <laughs> and do we have any international builders sitting in quarantine at the moment? No, I, no, no, I didn't no, think so. But uh, I thought we'll just... It'll be a while before we see that again. But yep. what's delightful is how much is happening around Australia. Yeah. So we have builders from all around the country, and there's no doubt that COVID has impacted on people. And for our friends at WA in particular, there they're still watching and thinking about quarantine a little bit. Yeah. But yep. For the Eastern Seaboard in particular, people are, are yeah. pretty comfortable now, and also I'm sure everyone's had this revelation themselves along the way, but you just need to get on with it and plan for it because it won't happen at all otherwise and accept that there's an outside chance that something might go pear-shaped and it's just the world we live in. So there is a a COVID policy around the event. We've got a 20-page long COVID safe plan around (laughs) how we look after people and and there's a credit or refund policy if it all goes pear-shaped, but... Uh, the government has has given us the sign off from a COVID permit point of view, and we we think we're looking after people as best we can. So, as much as anyone can be confident of things, I think we're we're going to be okay. Yep. No, it sounds good. It does. It does. Nobody's reinventing the bicycle though. They're just making it better and better and better. Just I'll, one thing, because we're I'm sorry, I'm too late for no. this. Um, <laughs> well, the other thing that actually ha- this sort of brings back is the other part is they're handmade. Actually, there's a lot more goes into the bicycle, especially if you're making it for some. The only point I would make is then because of that, there are a lot more things that are a lot more quality based. There is. I see too many dead bicycles every week to not be aware of the problem that they've become disposable items. This is a good way to change the way we look at that whole structure of manufacturing. It, it does hmm. bring... It, I think it's a good illustration of how much work is involved in a bicycle for people who've yes. not thought about that. It's, yeah. Yes. I, I think as a society across... Most material objects, we've come a little bit too detached from the amount of work and the impacts and the footprint and the supply chain and so forth. The real cost. The real cost, exactly. So seeing a handmade bicycle and talking to the builder and understanding the process and, uh, and how they deal with technology as well. An example being from 1899 when they had to think about how they retooled for disc brakes. That was a big deal if you yeah. were a, a workshop of one person and you had your yeah, yeah, fairly yeah. expensive and yeah, sunk yeah, yeah. costs around rim brakes and then, yeah. oh, I need to retool for disc yeah. and so forth. It wasn't. And, and then the question is, what standard? Oh, we should end this now because we <laughs> will end up with a Shimano parts catalogue in a minute and trying to work out the difference between one or the two. That is where the complications come from. We've got a... Uh, I'm just giving people a heads up if you need to save a little bit of money because we've got the Radiothon coming up in June. And that's why, because most of the presenters here at 3CR are... Volunteers. And uh, 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. So um, 
Thank you very much, Michael, for coming into the show. We'll have the podcast online where you can listen to Michael again about the handmade bicycle show.cc. And coming up next is Sheep Up. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to www.3cr.org.au.